0: This is Wine, Women, and Revolution with your host, Heather Warburton. Hi, and welcome to Wine, Women, and Revolution. I'm your host, Heather Warburton. Today, you have to excuse me. I have a little bit of a scratchy voice because I got sick right after Thanksgiving, and I'm still fighting a cold, but um, I've got two awesome women with me that I've had on before. Jennifer, you'll remember from the Women of Black Lives Matter panel, and Janaya, you'll remember from the Philly Socialist uh, discussion that we had. And I did not realize these two awesome women were related until after I had actually interviewed both of them separately. Maybe about a week later, I finally put the pieces together. I'm like, oh, you know, this badassery runs in families here. <laughs> I have got to get these two women on to talk about this. So, welcome to the show again. Thank you. <laughs> So part of my goal, everyone probably that listens knows, is I want to try to get as many people involved in activism and show you that you have the power to change the world as possible. So that's part of why I wanted to bring on and talk about activism in families and how that really improves people's lives for the better. So I want to start with my first question for Jennifer was, did you raise Janaya in an
1: activist family? Not Really? No, <laughs> not really. <laughs> um, I was activated actually pretty late. I think I think that the idea of activism was always present, but that comes from my grandmother. Um, at Your least grandmother was an activist. Um, yes, in her way, she was an activist. Um, when I was young, um, she brought me a few times to Planned Parenthood to walk the women in. Um, past the protesters. Um, She was always very diligent about taking care of the environment and any way that she found to take care of. Like, anytime you would hear on the news that, like, the the plastic from... (laughs) You remember this, Janaya? The plastic from the six-packs was choking the animals. She would make sure that she would cut up the plastic and recycle it properly so that the animals weren't choking. And she would tell everyone she knew that you had to cut the plastic from the six-pack of cans so that it didn't choke the animals, whatever animal it was. And you had to separate the tops from the water. Go
2: ahead.
0: You're getting cut off there, Janaya.
2: She, like, she was taking the recycling from other people's apartments and, like, cutting it in the recycling room, like, yeah. up there.
1: <laughs> um, she was also diligent about, like, separating batteries and taking them to a whole separate recycling place. And she, she, any, any way that there was to take care of the environment or to take care of other people um, that she could physically do, she was always doing that. Um, and that was her own personal form of activist. I think she was a feminist in her mind, okay. not necessarily in practice, um, but in her mind. She believed in the empowerment of other women, even if she did not do that for herself. So she did impress that upon us, or at least verbally if not in practice all right she sounds pretty
0: awesome and she definitely seems like she had an impact on you
1: yes she did have an impact on me in that way and then of course seeing her live in a very different way Mm -hmm. um and not be able to um have that power personally also had an impact on me so she also had dinner on the table every night at five o'clock Um, Serving spoons and real dishes, Um, dessert included (laughs) most days because that is what my grandfather required for life. And um, even on the weekends, there was also breakfast and lunch on the table at specified times on real dishes placed out just so um, everyone was to wash their hands and come to the table at those times and she cleaned the entire kitchen after every meal and kept the house and made sure everyone was taken care of at all times and when I was young she also worked and did all of those things so so yeah she was a feminist only in her mind and was a housewife in real life
0: Well, that was something else I did want to kind of touch on was like what's considered that ideal family is very stems out of a lot of white supremacy and a lot of patriarchy of keeping women from doing other things like your housework was your job. You don't have the ability to go out and fulfill yourself in other ways. And if you had any thoughts about that, um, maybe I'll start with Janaya since you haven't spoken that much so far.
2: Um. I mean like just I guess like just from like understanding what I like I've seen like it's it it is like like at least our family in that way was so surrounded like like my grandfather was like the center of it he was so so steadfast in the the idea that we had to have dinner all together and sit there and like have conversations I remember arguing with him about like having a, like, having a phone app because he wanted to engage with us. And, like, on some level, it's, like, very, I feel like it was important that we all engage, but it was, like, you know, very patriarchal patriarchal, is that, like... (laughs) (laughs) Patriarchal? (laughs) Yeah, patriarchal-centered. Like, he, he was very much the head of our family in that way. And, um, I don't know. I don't know how else to, like like a on that. Do you have like a better idea about it, Ma? Yeah,
1: I th- and I think that there was a lot of um, resentment around that because we were all so centered around my grandmother because she was our center. She was our rock. Mm-hmm. So we understood that we were a matriarchal unit but my grandfather was the center because she thought of him as the center. Exactly. Okay. That's
2: like, that's like a really, that's the
1: best way to put it. Like- right. We resented patriarchy from a very young age, not understanding the dynamic of it until we got older and had an analysis of patriarchy as a system. We knew what it was when we were little. We were just pissed off at him for the way he treated her because she was the head of everything even though he acted like he was the head of everything.
2: Exactly. Like she took care of, like she took care of all of us. Like, and, and him. Yeah. And I don't know how <sighs> she did it. Like, honestly, I really- right.
1: Like, what are you yelling about? You're just in the way. Shut up <laughs> get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. It made me so angry from when I was like really little. Like, why are you yelling at her? She does everything and you're just in the way.
2: Cause she did, she taught us all how to be essentially. Yes. yes. And- do like regular human stuff like and drove us all to work and school and practice like and you know still still took care of him and like i like i don't know how she didn't kill him tbh just seriously
1: <laughs> yeah, seriously like not even just be she taught us how to be and she taught us how to like love in the details she taught us all of the details of life
2: yeah. Like, and I don't think I would be about
1: it all the time.
2: as deeply, as she like, I don't know, I think, I think being around her and with her taught me how to be an empathetic person. Yes. I don't think, I don't think I would care so much about the way that other people are on a daily basis. Like, if it weren't for her. Because oh. I like, and I know that I take care of everyone that I see because of her.
0: Wow! Yeah, that's definitely awesome. It sounds like she was a pretty amazing lady. Yes. Is she still around, or has she passed on?
1: She's still here. Um, she's she's, fading.
2: Yeah, that's. Yeah. She has um the, uh dementia.
0: My grandmother had that as well. It's, it's rough. I understand.
1: And you know what's really what's crazy is that she has dementia and all that is left is the details and that's literally all there is so as much as like the larger parts are gone when she goes to the grocery store she still makes sure that she buys everyone's favorite cookies oh it's just (laughs) all that's left is love basically (laughs) all that's left is love so like everything else is gone but when you go to her house you know that your favorite snacks will be there (laughs)
2: it's very true
0: So, if you weren't actually bringing up Janaya as an activist, when did you get activated, Um, or more activated at least, Jennifer?
1: Um, I was activated in a political campaign in 2013. It actually started. It was it was a really slow activation. So, I went through a lot of um, trauma. And I think it was a very slow activation from a series of extraordinarily unfortunate events. Wow. <laughs> <Okay>. In retrospect. <laughs> um, so I went through a lot of um, oh, several um, abusive relationships mm-hmm. um, that had me look at trauma in a certain way that had me look at um, women's relation to police in the black community in a certain way that had me look at um, the black community in general trauma in the black community in a certain way. I went through homelessness that had me look at poverty and women's poverty in relation to um, men in prison in a certain way. Um, I went through um, a period of addiction. I went through a lot of different things. And I landed, I volunteered in a period of homelessness um, for a political campaign. I was supposed to volunteer for an hour, um, but I ended up volunteering like 10 hours a day, every day for months. Um, kind of, I was kind of fascinated with the process and the, the lack of organization of it all Um, and I realized in the midst of it that I had a set of skills that I had not tapped into um, and I used them. And in watching the process, I found a lot of things that were missing in me and found that I had some personal power that I had not tapped into. And I found that um, black women's voices specifically were missing even though especially in the democratic party they are kind of what's holding up the party Mm -hmm. right so like why
0: right everyone (laughs) loves
1: to thank black women
0: Uh, you know your vote (laughs) saves the the day
1: but then shut up again as soon as (laughs) right (laughs) Right. so like why are they thanking us after the fact but not running us Mm -hmm. during Mm -hmm. Um, and And there was some voter suppression in that particular campaign in the small city that I I was in, Asbury Park. There was some voter suppression issues. The police were called. There was like this, it was a really super messy campaign. So many people ran for five seats and it was fascinating and horrible. And at the end of it, I was like, okay, I don't know what that was. And I opted out for a while and then came out of it activated um and I just started reading a tremendous amount and moving and people saw that I was organized and started calling me for things which honestly surprised me <laughs> and I was shocked I think Janea will remember <laughs> but I was like oh my god people are calling me for all these things And well, that's was- exactly that's- where I, I wanted to go time. next I was asking Jenea about hey, my children were not surprised that people were calling me for things. I was shocked. They were like, no, I'm not surprised at all because you are smart. I was like, really? You think so? I did not know that. So what was it like seeing your mom
0: finally get a little bit of recognition and find her voice and her inner badass that you probably knew was there
1: all along?
2: I mean, it's, it's interesting to watch people like, I don't know. I, I always describe it as, like, it's, to me, it's interesting to watch people have, like, a light bulb moment
1: mm-hmm. until
2: realize what they wanted to do for so long and, like, figure it out, if that makes sense. Like, it's like, wow, like, okay, like, I am very capable. I have this ability and I can do this. Like, and I think, I think, I don't, I can't speak for my siblings, but that's definitely what I thought. And, you know, How old
0: were you in 2013 when this was all going on?
2: I was 18. Eighteen, okay. And what kind of an
0: impact did it have? Were you? Does did that make you want to? I am assuming you always respected your mother because your mother's an awesome lady, but did that make you be like, "I'm going to be like her more"? Or I think,
2: I think in 2013, I was going through a lot of personal stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've always battled anxiety, um, like and, and pretty severe depression. Um, so as, as awful as it sounds, I think I think I was very much in my own had in 2013. I don't know if you can uh, attest to that.
1: Me too. I think we both were. We were all very separated. We have a lot of uh, family trauma also that kept us divided. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And yeah, I think, I, um, always- you know, I was just trying to figure out how I wasn't, like personally, I was just trying to figure out what I was gonna do next. You know, and going to a high school in a town that kind of just encourages everybody to go to community college and, like, figuring out, like, you know, like, how to get to a four-year university and, like, do the do the things that I wanted to do, and the that I thought I should do, um, I think that was at the forefront of my mind in 2013,
0: I'm not going to lie. <laughs> makes sense. I mean, you know, I think a lot of activists come out of a place of depression. I readily admit also that I come out of a place of anxiety and depression, and, you know, that's why I'm a medical marijuana patient now, and, you know, it's just really... Something I think that inner pain helps you see the pain around you a lot more, so yeah. I definitely think that's something in, um, that a lot of activists share. Um, another question that I did want to get to of you know, and this is actually a, another great tie-in. I love when my guests do that for me. It makes me <laughs> not have to do much work at all was what did you do to empower her as she was growing up, to make her turn into the badass that she is today? <laughs>
1: Um, unfortunately, (laughs) um, I can't say very much, honestly. Um, I think that because one of the reasons, because I had my children very, very young. So I had my oldest when I was 16. I had Jenea when I was 18 and I had Heather when I was 21. Um, they are both out of relatively abusive relationships Um, obviously not working relationships because you don't pick working relationships when you're that age. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, my mother did a tremendous amount of supplemental parenting. Um, and there is a lot of dysfunction. We have a lot of family dysfunction. Um, so I didn't do a lot of supportive parenting, um, as they were coming up, I would say the most supportive, I have been is recently, right? So while she's been doing, like after she chose to be an activist and she knew that I was already doing activist work, she knows that she can call me and say, hey, I'm doing a thing and what is this thing that I'm doing and how do I do it? And I'm like, hmm, I don't know, but I know a person that knows. <laughs> um, so we kind of support each other that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that it's kind of like mom support more than anything right Of course you can do the thing obviously you can do the thing you can do all the things because, <laughs> because you're badass and of course you can do the thing. obviously you can do the thing you can do all things <laughs> um, but yeah it's it's definitely been more now um, that anxiety depression thing that she was talking about earlier she definitely her, um, I handed down. Unfortunately, um, that's definitely hereditary. I got it from my mom, and she got it from hers, and that definitely had a huge impact on my parenting, and um, and the way I was parented. So, a lot of that has to, is is in our family dynamic. So I wouldn't say. I think that um, most of the support that any of us got was intellectual support, if anything like we've just yeah. had a tremendous amount of conversation that drove us in the direction that we went and we're not the only activists in our family just to say okay. <laughs> I have a younger daughter who is a trans activist and an older son who is also an activist um and that comes from these sort of bizarre conversations that apparently other families don't have yeah. which i was not aware of <laughs> i thought all families
2: did um i was i mean i don't i don't, i wouldn't undercut yourself and not say that you weren't supportive in like the one general idea that there was nothing i couldn't figure out if that makes sense I always knew like I always had this like very much like a, a mentality like okay we can figure this out doesn't really I don't, I don't know what we're gonna do but we're gonna figure it out. right
1: I don't know but <laughs> yeah I can say that that's real we definitely and I've always felt the same way I think that that my mom always gave me that as well that's that's something my mom
2: that's what we call my mom.
1: Okay. My mom also gave me that. Like, I don't know, but I know that we're smart enough to.
2: Yeah, just give me like a few minutes. Just, I, I got it. I don't know how, but I have it. Oh, Absolutely, <laughs> I love that. That's
0: so great. That that little bit of like, I, I've got this. Yeah, I don't know mm-hmm. how, but
2: I, I, I'm gonna figure this out. I, yeah, and that, so really social. Just give me like five minutes. I don't really know what I'm doing, but. I'm gonna Google it. I have like a I'm gonna call someone and then I'll be back. and then you know you'll
1: solve the problem in the end. <laughs> yeah,
2: and pretty much what organizers do, right?
1: Yeah <laughs> at least that i I love that. In organizer circles and with other organizers, you're with a bunch of people that have absolutely no idea. Like, at no point have I ever been with a group of organizers that, that there's there are people that are acting like they have everything under control. There are a bunch of people that are like, what?
2: How are we? I don't know, but we'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. We got it. <laughs> It'll be fine. Um, and I think I think that's like I think that's definitely my one takeaway from your early parenting, though. Like I think that's probably the biggest, the, the biggest, like I biggest ideal like, that's carried me through my like personal organizing life. Um, like you know, to like look like I know exactly what's going on.
1: <laughs> Did I look like I know I'm, I'm gonna cry? <laughs> I never knew that.
2: Well, I mean, like, you know, like, if I like, if I asked you something always, you were like, I don't, you were like, really honest about not (laughs) knowing. Yes, that's right. I don't know. I will be back
1: though. (laughs) We'll figure it out shortly.
0: (laughs) I I don't think a lot of people have that level of self-awareness that they'll admit, I don't know, but I will. Like, that's hard for a lot of people to say, especially a parent to a kid, you know? that parents yeah. want to pretend they know everything. So I think that's an awesome, like, really yeah. awesome people evolve.
1: I think that, well, I think that by the time I had Jenea, I was acutely aware that I was a child with children. Right? Like, when I had Jason, I was, like, I'm doing this and I don't need anybody and I got this and nobody's going to tell me what to do and I'm grown and I got this. And then I had Janaya, and I was like, I am like a little kid with kids and they need stuff and I have no idea what I'm doing. And Jason was starting to ask me questions and I was like, bro, I don't know what you're even talking about right now. I have no idea. And like when they started to like become tiny humans. They were asking the craziest questions. I was like, I don't know. I haven't even thought about that. And they had the internet. So they were asking like seriously crazy questions. And I was like, where did you even get that? (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about right now. And they were like wildly smart and blowing my mind. And I was like 24. I was like, bro, I don't I have no idea. And I'm not even gonna lie to you because
2: I hated when my mom lied to me. I hated
1: it. <laughs> it made me super mad.
2: <laughs> but I also I also think that it the uh, the other really important like takeaway I guess is how honest I like have to be with myself and other people about my mental illness. I think, like, when I went to college, so many people, like, hid the fact that they had anxiety or problems with depression, or, like, you know, it gives off this perception that where I went to school, like, nobody was mentally ill. hmm And I felt like this, like, ridiculous person, because I was like, well, no, like, I know that I have depression, I know I have this problem, like, I don't understand why other people aren't talking about it. Um... And I think that that's also probably like the big takeaway I have was like to be like you know you have to be honest about where you're coming to the table with, or else like nobody in this room is going to be successful.
1: Yeah, that's real.
2: And I don't, I'm like I think that like like my mom is probably the first person I've ever heard have conversations with other people, like other folks, about her mental illness, like being honest about it, and like not being like upset or like afraid, like you know, like I have an impression. That's just what. It is, like, that's what's happening. Like, I am upset today, but we still have to get things done. Like, like I, I, like, I didn't know that other folks didn't do that.
0: Yeah, and I think you are making a big impact with that honesty that it still is very stigmatized in this country. So everyone that can hear, I'm not alone. You know, like, I want to thank you guys for doing that, very much so. Um, and do you think it's your activism that really enables you to be able to, like, have those kinds of conversations? Or would you have always been able to have those kinds of conversations?
2: I mean, for me personally, um, how, like, doing, doing this kind of work has made me a lot more comfortable having conversations. I think before I, like, started, like, well, I guess this all kind of started for me at Mammoth when I started a with my friend Jamila called Students Advocating Girls Education and people kind of started to see it as more of students advocating for gender equality. We were like, you know, we were like whatever you can date us to be. Like, <laughs> I think that definitely, like, being in that situation definitely gave me more confidence to talk about my, like, personal issues. Um, and then when people came, started coming to us about how to figure out, like, much bigger, I guess, institutional issues, it it became very, it became like a, I don't have a choice. Like, I want to help, I want to figure this out. I want to make this better and I can't do it if I'm not going to be honest about what happened to me and why we need to have conversations about, you know, mental illness at the university and like, you know, assault at the university. Like we need to, I'm going to be honest about my life so people feel inclined to be honest about theirs because that's the only way that this is going to get different.
0: Are you super proud of your daughter, Jen?
1: (laughs) I can't even stand it. (laughs) So I guess
0: that's the last question I wanted to ask was, you know, there's plenty of women right now with young children out there who are, you know, reading their younger daughters, a copy of A is for activists and trying to raise their kids to be activists. So what piece of advice would you give to uh, moms that are raising activists right now?
1: Oh my God, so many different things that are so important. <laughs> I mean, one of the, one of the most important things is honesty, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I talk to people so often that are, that are, so. I was talking to somebody this morning um, and you want to teach them everything, but it's impossible, right? Like you, you can't, sit them down and teach them everything that's not a thing and you want to protect them from everything at the same time but they can't know things and be protected from the things (laughs) a lot of the things are super horrible and they have to know and honestly they want to know the things um so I guess honesty one of the I guess unfortunate fortunate things about being a super young mom and not knowing enough to lie to my children about the thing. like I didn't know what to hide and not hide from them so if I was older I would have not told them the truth about their body parts, because I would have known that when we went to Shop, right, Janaya would be telling everyone that she had a vagina, right? <laughs> it, it would have occurred to me that that would happen, and then I would have lied to her. But she should know the real names for her body parts, so that was a good thing to do, right? So, like, proper education, give them the real names for things, and then maybe talk about the appropriateness of where to use the words, because I skipped that part, but um just like don't lie to your kids tell them the truth give them let them see the news and help them process it rather than hiding them from the horrible things in the world because they need to know all of the good and all of the bad things because if they don't know the bad things they won't be able to fight them either
0: I wanna thank both of you so much for sharing with my audience today. It's been really touching and moving and I think people are gonna get a lot out of this. Do either one of you have any closing thoughts you'd like to uh, add before we close it out for today?
2: I think that um, just, to like, just to throw this in there and I don't know if you like wanna include it or not. Mm-hmm. I think that if I wasn't that honest, college would have been so much more difficult than it was. Cause I feel like I was like walking into situations and I was like, wow, this is extremely bad. I don't want to be here <laughs> and people were like, no, but like, this is like, I think I was at a party and I was like, I don't want to stay here. I'm going to call my mom. She lives down the street. I'm going to leave <laughs> because you guys are all making me uncomfortable I'm having personal space issues, boundary issues, everybody's is. So I, I think being so forward in like um like at least raised so forwardly definitely impacted my life and the way that I address other folks and like speak to them and like talk to them and like handle situations. Even even if I decided to not do this work at the end of the day. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. I think I that's, that's a good takeaway. Yeah. Activism is personal first. Right. So if you're not taking care of yourself in that way, right? If you're not telling your truth first then you can't do anything for the world outside you have to do for yourself first so self-care is the first activism
2: that's so So true
1: yes you have to tell your truth first so talking about my mental illness probably was my first real activism being honest about my mental illness i am not doing well today like stop lying about my depression that was probably my first real activism
2: yeah I think and I totally agree with that advocating for yourself is the first like first activist move I mean like saying like I am doing extremely bad today please do not talk to me like is the first I think the first thing that I ever did as an activist like being at Monmouth and saying like I can't go to class because I'm not doing okay like I can't Mm-hmm. I can't focus, I can't sit here and not cry, I can't, like, be a, like, a regular functioning person, like, I'm gonna have a panic attack, I, like, or I need to sit under the table because I need to be small. Like, I think being honest about all of those things about myself was the first, first, like, activist thing I did.
1: Oh, yeah. You know what? There's one thing that I wanted to, that I actually thought of that I wanted to say <laughs> specifically. Um, so there's a viral video of a little girl that is crying and her mother's talking to her and tell, telling her to stop crying. You both probably saw it. Cause I, well, I think I posted it on my Facebook. I may not have, um, because it made me super angry. Um, and the mother's telling her, you have to stop crying. You have to stop crying now. And she's crying like pretty hysterical sobbing. And the mother's like, you have to stop crying. And she's like, okay, I'm not crying. I'm not crying. I'm laughing. And she's still sobbing. You saw it Heather. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, And she says, I think I have to go to bed now. And they sort of pose it as like this really funny video, Mm -hmm. right? That video actually broke my heart, right? People think it's really funny. I think the caption to the video is like me trying to get through the day or something. Mm -hmm. And you could think of it as funny because people do go through like a lot of emotions during the day and you kind of try to fake it. What I saw in that video is someone gaslighting a little kid and teaching them how to pretend to feel other than you actually feel and allow someone to tell you how to behave when you feel bad instead of allowing you to feel how you feel and setting you up for a lifetime of abusive relationships. That's what I saw in that video and it absolutely broke my heart. And it looks cute, right? Cause it was mm-hmm. a cute little girl and she was going through the things and it was adorable. She was absolutely adorable. That kind of gaslighting is something that happens all the time, right? It happened to me when I was little. You don't think that it's a bad thing because you just want your kid to stop crying because maybe you're going to go crazy. I know that I did it when my kids were little. Like you have to stop right now. (laughs) Please don't do that to your children. (laughs) Like we need to allow people to feel what they feel. We need to allow them to go through their feelings and Like, don't gaslight your kids, because it literally sets you up for a lifetime of emotional and potentially physical violence, that right there. I'm so mad about that video, and it's super viral right now.
0: Yeah, I'm going to link that into the show notes, too, so everybody else can see it, and that is an amazing take on that, that, you know, you don't even think of these little actions. People are, like, you know, encouraging it, like, oh, it's so cute, you know, but that it really is. Everything you said is 100% spot on.
2: Yeah. yeah. I think that's extremely true. And it's also something you think about, like, when you do it, like, telling a kid to not cry. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: And, like, even if it doesn't seem like an appropriate reason to cry, like, you feel how you feel, feel how you feel, go, go through what you need to go through. But...
2: <laughs> your emotions are valid. Right. And someone else doesn't have the right to tell you you can't yeah. feel it. I think exactly. that's what I like, hear often now in my adult life. Like, you know, I always tell people your emotions are extremely valid. You're an adult with agency and you need to go feel what you feel. Absolutely. And if you want to come back and restart this conversation once you've worked through all those emotions, I would be happy to do that with you. Right. <laughs> Just please take deep breaths.
1: So you, That's what I always say take deep breaths so you don't hyperventilate. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah well i'm like i i think like i think i often also think about this as an arbiter and philly socialists like i i'm Philly so well like not Philly socialist but ptu like the uh, philadelphia tennessee has an arbiter for co- like as a conflict mes- resolution mechanism so when people like get anxious and was like okay ha- you're an adult with agency and you have a lot of feelings that are extremely valid I want I want to help you either work through them, we can work through them together, or you can work through them alone, but I want us to restart this conversation once you've worked through every one of those emotions that are necessary for you to process the situation.
1: Right, deescalate instead of invalidate, like there's yeah. a difference between deescalation and invalidating, your feelings are absolutely valid, and I need you to do whatever you need to do to get through them, but invalidating someone's feelings is gaslighting and it is dangerous precedent Mm -hmm. to set with little kids
0: right gaslighting tries to make you feel like you're going crazy that's the goal of gaslighting it is
1: yeah and when I saw that video of that little girl I was like that's how like that's how I decided that abuse was normal that's that's what normalized abuse in my brain Mm and that's not okay that's what that's not Okay. And that's what I took on as personal activism. Like, I can't do anything necessarily with that outwardly, but in my personal activism, that's that's a new thing. <laughs> I don't care how you feel about what I feel. It's happening. <laughs> it's happening right now.
0: <laughs> this interview did not even a little bit go the way I intended it when I started this. <laughs> oh my God. so much... A better place than I intend to. <laughs> okay. well, that's really
2: good. I'm glad that it's better than what you No, it
0: really, like, I was, you know, I was almost going to be a fluff piece about activists are great. Look at this awesome activist family. But you guys need it 100% more real and valuable than it would have otherwise been. I thank you guys so much for being here. To my um, listeners, thank you so much for joining us and going on this journey with us today. The future's yours to create. Go out there and create it.